All right, welcome back to the goalpost. And the Vegas Golden Knights are your 2023 Stanley Cup champions. Patrick, it's all over. Happened quick. Happened really quick. I mean, blinking, it's over, really. Five games. We predict, did we predict six or seven? I think I, I said seven. Yeah, I think we. I said six. And, I mean, we got the team right, at least, which is better than nothing. But, wow, was it could have been a sweep. Yeah, it could have been a sweep. And it was super weird how basically the closing game was exactly like the game before. This time a 9-3 win before it was a 7-2 win. And they just shellacked the Panthers. Not a great way to go out for your season. No. I mean, they showed fight in game three, which was a must win in that yeah. series. They were down 2-0, going back to home ice. That was a huge win for them. And... There was thoughts. I'm like, okay, the Panthers. They get game four. I mean, it's best. It goes best of three. No one's lost on home ice, so it's it's still a series. Yeah. But once they lost game four, it was uh, as good as done. I mean, game five, the the odds on Vegas. It was just they were asking you to take the Panthers, and no one really had. No one really thought the Panthers were going to win it, and then especially when you saw Tuchuk was in the lineup, and yeah, the rest the rest was history. It was a pretty quick and you might say boring Stanley Cup final yeah I think in general the playoffs this year started to such a hot beginning and the first round was so entertaining so many different matchups going long going seven and just a ton of different action and then kind of each round by round it kind of whittled down into I guess less favorable matchups I guess that's what happens when a team like Boston goes out early and Florida replaces them you would think that then that would maybe lead to kind of a bit more lopsided down if uh if you didn't have that team but florida kind of replaced them in that sense but as the series went on like it just got to be a bit less in exciting hockey we were still getting those overtime games but yeah i don't think this was the cup final everyone kind of imagined when they saw the two teams at least entering into it yeah i i mean no one really expected florida to to beat boston for in the first round especially being down 3-1 so that was a shock to start it off and you said it well. The first round of the playoffs was very exciting. A lot of action, a lot of longer series. But round by round by round just kind of got less and less and less interesting until we're at our conclusion, Damien. And it's it's over. I don't think it was a great ratings year for the no, Stanley Cup final and just the NHL playoffs in general. But the one bright side is there were southern markets in the in the NHL so at least maybe you're kind of growing the game to an audience that wasn't there before but wow for the people that have been with the NHL for a while I'd say it was underwhelming I mean yeah I think that the overwhelming part there just comes in in the Vegas community itself this is huge obviously for growing hockey in Las Vegas and I think that for you know the fans that waited a whole long six years uh, this kind of just reaffirms everything that they've been trying to build. That's not an easy process, and I think a lot of teams get through this whole point without getting to that final step of winning a Stanley Cup and kind of capping it off. But I want to say, like, the, the process is done there. I think that the hockey will be in the desert for a long time after that. Yeah, how upset does that make you? Oh, terribly upset. I think that it's just so tough to see, like, a fan base of relatively new fans, like, get all these experiences. It's like Eichel winning on his first playoff trip. Like, it's like they don't even know. They don't. And these no Vegas fan, I I have brackets, commas, quotations, whatever. It's just they don't really have a ton of diehard fans, it seems. I mean, I'm just basing that off of the reactions of people in the arena. But they have no idea what it's like to, like, suffer, go through a rebuild, 
just be bad, be a bad team for an extended period of time. They've been in this league for six years, and I mean, shout out to Bill Foley with the call. Prediction. Pretty impressive to call that, and on the sixth year too. But yeah, I mean, Vegas, all they know is winning. And all they know is players too, like Eichel, March, so Petrangelo, Carlson, like they just get these big guys. And I think that if you're a fan struggling, it's going to be dark if Vegas, you know, kind of doesn't maintain this style of winning for the next few years. Some people might say they might run into cap issues in the next year with kind of that luxury cap of bringing Stone back for the playoffs. But I think that if you're a fan of Vegas, you need to soak up the next week like nothing else before. Yeah, it's kind of a weird team where it it almost feels like they're at the end of the window. Kind yeah. of. Like, who knows what Mark Stone's going to do? I mean, no one even really thought he was going to play. But Trangelo has kind of hinted at retiring, possibly. And it's just like a sneaky older veteran team that, I mean, they've been together for pretty much like four years, that kind of unit. That group, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have the the guys who have been there for all six. But for the majority, it's kind of just been like a four-year unit team. And they've also sneaky gone through three coaches yeah. in six years. I think on the last pod, uh, apologies, I said Peter DeBoer was their head coach. Yes, Bruce Cassidy. It's Bruce Cassidy. I mean, it goes by quickly. Like, Happens that fast. Yeah. yeah, it does happen fast. But, I mean, credit to Vegas. It's, uh, it's not easy winning the Cup. And it's – I feel like – no one really gave them a fair shake, which is weird because they won the Pacific. Yeah. And they were super undervalued, and, and I was trying to go back and kind of look at the reasons as to why, obviously, the Oilers were kind of billed as that huge Western favorite, but it's a 111-point regular season Vegas stacked up here. They get that first seed kind of right in the last few games of the regular season. And, you know, few people had even really heard of Aiden Hill prior to the second round. I think a lot of people thought that they didn't have the goaltending to kind of take them the whole way. Um, But, you know, the Eastern Conference was already being stacked up as this huge juggernaut group, and it let a lot of those Western teams kind of slide by without as much media circus. I think that Dallas was another one of those teams that was really good and kind of got undervalued. Um, And then Vegas missed the playoffs last year. I think that, that was a big doubt kind of in people's minds of seeing whether they could be built for a really long playoff run. But clearly this group is, and that's really because of their veterans. Yeah, and I mean, the Vets have been there for a while, but I'm glad you brought up the kind of everyone thought the Eastern Conference was going to, like, it was almost a certainty going into the playoffs. It's like, yeah, I I don't know who it is, but it's going to be a team from the Eastern Conference. And wow, it was uh, really not even close. Vegas did look like the best team in the playoffs throughout complete team effort and there's got to be something about the western conference style of play where it's almost like they don't have to change their game as much as the eastern conference might when they go into the playoffs right a bit and more I, banging bodies already yeah, yeah. More, more dump and chase kind of stuff less a little bit less of a skill game i think the west plays a bit not to say that those guys aren't skilled yeah. but i think it's just it's a different style of play and it works in the playoffs it's not pretty it doesn't have to be pretty but you just have to find ways to get it done and it just seemed like everyone bought in on this team and you saw the reactions on the guys faces there's that one photo shot where everyone from above where everyone kind of looked like they're in a heart i think it was marcia so in the middle looking up pretty pretty it just looked like it, they were just a unit and a yeah. team that truly like loved each other and would do anything it took to win the stanley cup and 
Yeah, you saw it that. became super apparent too with even that fourth line, Kolasar, like all those guys are not just making it hell for the other team to play against them, but they're also scoring. Like they were getting contributions from every line, from every forward, it seemed like. And March so said it after he uh, won the Conn Smythe in the interview, you know, any of these guys could have won that. And it was kind of, it's a cliche that you hear every year, but this year seemed to actually be the year where anyone could have won the Conn Smythe. I had four guys that you could have given it to. Marcia So, who uh, I believe we said yes. was our, our pick. Smythe talk. Um, Eichel was right there. Aiden Hill, obviously. I mean, I know he wasn't there through the entirety of the playoffs, but what a run he had while, while playing. And then Mark Stone yeah, with yeah. the hat trick in the final game. I was like, oh, my goodness. Is this two storybook? It's two storybook. This was the NBA. Mark yeah. Stone's walking away with a con smile. Yes, but no, I, I do think they selected the, the correct player, especially because he's part of the original uh, six that I believe yeah. are there. And, I mean, you just saw how much it meant to Marcia. So who – I just kind of got dumped off right by Florida like they um Vegas picked him up and no one really knew what kind of player he was and ever since he's put a Golden Knights uniform on he's just been a household name really in the NHL and it's just nice to see guys like that just get rewarded for loyalty and just loving the game and uh I mean yeah I wouldn't have been upset if they gave it to Eichel or Hill or Stone but I, I do think they got it right with giving it to Marcia. So yeah, I think he was kind of the guy who rose above everybody else. He finished with 13 goals and 25 points. Just ends the playoffs on such a heater too. I think that Eichel had an insanely impressive performance, almost like a Selkie performance in the playoffs here. He finishes with 26 points despite not scoring since the second round, which is kind of baffling when you watch how involved he is every night. He was huge on faceoffs. He was huge in the defensive zone. And I think that Eichel was definitely another guy who would have been deserving of that. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Aiden Hill could have easily gotten that consmite. He, if you're into this, finished the series with nearly two goals saved above expected while Bobrovsky allowed two more goals than expected. So kind of just gives you, you know, those stats are obviously better when they're kind of over a bigger sample size. But in the series itself, it just shows you that Hill played above his caliber and Bobrovsky played below his caliber, which was another huge factor. Yeah, I, I think back to the paddle save. I think back to even in Game 5, he had that cross-crease glove save. To just They didn't give Florida anything in Game 5. It was truly one of the more dominant performances I've seen on the ice that second period um, after Florida scored that goal to get it to 2-1. I said, okay, this is a game, and it's one of those feels where it was like next goal wins. Not only did Vegas get the next goal, but they got the next nah. 12 after. Yeah, yeah, they put three up in the period to get 5-1 to the room. And, I mean, after that, I think they knew in the room right there. I mean, I'm sure they got Phil in there, Thompson, Brassois, just got everyone All in the, the room. Yeah. Those guys are probably praying in there, right? Like oh, Phil and uh, Logan Thompson. Phil's got a hot dog and a Miller Lite yeah. in each hand. That's exactly what they're doing. I, I saw they brought Trulies into the room. What, oh. what's, your, what are your, what's your take on that? That's a tough look. Actually, with that, with a group of hockey guys, there's probably enough guys who can't, literally can't drink that much beer. So yeah. they just have to <laughs> sub in seltzers for the boys. You always got the liquor before beer, too. Yeah. You know, it's... It, it makes sense. I'm sure it, they 
they were putting anything they could get their hands on in them. But I believe Mark Stone said the Stanley Cup turned into a jungle juice by the end of the night, which is not surprising. But, man, what a well-deserved for Vegas. It was just You, know, you bring up Kessel there. I got some thoughts on the Kessel Leaf shot there. Oh, I bet you do. Because, at like, obviously you're in no leg to stand on as a Leafs fan, but, like, fuck, man. Even in Stanley Cup post-game interviews, the Leafs are getting talked about. Like, it's it's impossible to not make rent-free comments. I mean, like, Kessel did get a ton of flack, but was there anybody in Toronto being like, Phil Kessel can't win? Like, I just, I don't know if I fully remember maybe like his work ethic and like tying that to his ability but yeah i was gonna say that was kind of the narrative around right. phil it wasn't necessarily winning because i don't like you could have put that on dion you could have put yeah. that on like so many joffrey Lou. you could have put that right. on so many different guys on that team like, he was scoring he was he was doing all he could to win <laughs> 40 goals i mean like in a time where you really weren't scoring that much no, and it, no phil was fine with the leafs but he was a he was a victim to the media a little really bit. Really, some bulletin board material still. Apparently, it stuck with him. Yeah. Apparently, he really hated the media of Toronto. Who who do you think is public enemy number one? Steve Simmons or Damian Cox? Oh, back in the day, I think that was before Simmons really got under steam. I think it was Cox back in yeah. the day. I think he used to be the real menace. He was. That's yeah. what I very much remember. Yeah, Damian Cox a bad was the name tr- on Damian's. Yeah, but isn't he an? Yes, I he is he's a hand. Hand. So yeah. you're in the clear. Yeah. You're in the clear. But yeah, Damian Cox paved the way for Steve Simmons. And I mean, who's next? That's that's a great question. But yeah, you you mentioned the Leafs too, and there's been some some more Leaf talks, and we'll kind of transition into the the Panthers a little bit here. That's a Chuck injury. I saw a lot of a lot of Leaf fans on Twitter, not probably the entire fan base, but I did see a couple Leaf Leaf accounts poking some fun. Karma word. Poking some fun. I saw the I, karma I, I, word floating around, which was crazy. It's like karma for what? Like, <laughs> Sam Bennett was the yes. enemy. I to Chuck was actually Gudis even. Yeah, to Chuck was relatively calm in that leaf series, which is surprising, yeah. obviously. But yeah, Sam Bennett and Gudis are your targets, yes, Leaf fans. Exactly. Relax on to Chuck, because how do you play through a broken sternum? I actually couldn't even imagine tying up my skates with a broken sternum on, bending over, doing literally anything. These guys are such warriors. Like, you would never see that. That was, like, you know, the chalkiest thing of all time to say, but you would never see that in another sport. Not even in, like, football, somebody with a broken sternum would play. Well, no, especially not in football because you're tackling so much and you need your sternum yeah. for so many things. But even if, like, when Tuchuk walked off the bus before the game, he looked perfectly fine, yeah. which is like how you're breathing fine. Like even just walking downstairs, yeah. you're not having a grimace on your face. Yeah. It was insane. ridiculously impressive. And yeah, it's always my favorite part of the playoffs. I think we're, we don't have many uh, Vegas Golden Knight injuries yet, but there was, oh, the uh, list. I got the Ekblad one, a broken foot. Two separated shoulder dislocations and a torn oblique muscle. Oh my so, god! And he scored in game five. Uh, it was two separated shoulders is ridiculous. Uh, I don't know if it was the same one or two different ones, right. but I'm I'm looking at Bleacher Report. Open Ice tweeted this, and I mean, three hours ago, Sportsnet just tweeted that he's un- expected to go, expected to undergo shoulder surgery and will miss the start of training camp. So. There's a couple other ones in there for the Panthers. Montour, Torn Labrum. That seems oh. like a classic one yeah. right, for a hockey playoffs. And then Where is the Labrum? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, E2 Lusterinen had a broken tibia. So how you skate on a broken tibia? Great question. But, I mean, I know the Panthers 
didn't look great in that series, but I mean, they went through war to get there. Clearly, yeah, yeah. That I'm finding out now, the labrum is kind of that tissue in between your hip socket and the actual hip. So it's basically like losing all the cartilage in your hip. I don't. I, again, hip injuries. I I don't get how guys play hockey on at all with making the strides that they do, especially how Montour plays. And yeah, I think that was just the general vibe. You know, injury list or not aside, they just ran out of steam. Really, they clearly were a team that just put balls to the wall in every sense of the word, and that can only last really so long. I think a lot of it was Bobrovsky kind of lost his luster. Yeah. And I can't blame him. How many games he played in a row, oh that God. never happens. Like, Aiden Hill was fresh, right? He came in Those in, are like 2000s yeah. goalies numbers, like playing 18 games straight in the regular season, shit like yeah. that. It was it was crazy. But, I mean, you can't fault Bobrovsky in that finals because you do need some goal support. And with Florida putting up two goals a game, you need more than two goals yeah. to win most likely. Yeah. And they – I don't know. But that was it, a big question, right? Is like I, I remember thinking when the Leafs were in that series, Florida's not a a very deep team offensively once you get past their big guns. And Kachuk when Kachuk went out, I, I literally just thought like who the hell is gonna score goals for the Panthers this game? Like I don't think that they really had that that one A to kind of step up if Kachuk wasn't scoring a ton. Um they were kind of getting it done by committee for most of the playoffs, but as soon as he was kind of Still kind of, you know, playing through an injury and then being out, they the goals just dried up. No, and uh, a lot of the Florida Panthers forwards kind of have to look themselves in the mirror a bit. Barkov, where were you? Verhege, yes. Verhege, 40 goals in the regular season. Where were you? Reinhardt just decided to stop playing hockey. And then Sam Bennett just like, he wasn't the most offensive player, but he had a huge impact. Yes. I mean, the Leafs he series. Like, yeah. he, all those guys, like, to Chuck, basically willed that team to victory in game three yeah and it he it, i don't know he was so huge and but he was the only forward going mm-hmm. it seemed like he was the only like duclair score a goal there's they have like three good lines i'd say they're kind of all even like yeah. they don't have like a stud line yeah. and then like but like, their three lines are very capable of i mean to get them to where they are but they all just went silent when they needed them the most yeah, and that was when we were talking about Consmith. We were like, "Yeah, guys like Verhage, Kachuk, like these guys can come back and like make this a series if they want to." And I guess like Vegas was a tough team to play against. They're really suffocating. They're big, but it just seemed like everything was out. Like Kachuk was the only player who really, you know, you get that sense when somebody touches the puck in the playoffs, like oh shit, like you kind of clench up a bit if you're the other team. And Kachuk was that, like every time he had the puck on his stick, you're worried that he's going to somehow make it to the net and score. But with those other guys, like Barkov, man, like it, I think he's so officially bad. lost like that underrated title that he had. Like, dude, you're in the biggest stage in the game and you have the C on your chest. You have to be, if, you're, if your goal aren't there, then you have to make sure like every other part of your game is. Well, that was the storyline around Barkov in the first two rounds. You go, oh, he's, you know, he might not be putting up the points, but he's doing the little things right. And I mean, I, I just kind of went along with that. I wasn't necessarily ISO camming Barkov that early because I mean, it wasn't, I didn't know how far the Panthers were going to go. But as they kept going along, it was so clear that Tuchuk is the heartbeat of that team and Barkov. 
You seem like a passenger. Yeah, that's like a, a series where you might have to just take the C off Barkov's jersey and give it to Kachuk. Yeah, because yeah, I guarantee you he ha- Tuchuk has a bigger voice in that room oh, than Barkov does. Definitely. And I'm sure it's not even close. I yeah. bet you Ekblad's got a bigger voice. Like, I don't That's the problem. Wanna... He used to be one of those captains who led by example, right? It was like this guy does everything right. He never loses a face off. All these other things, and then that just it just vanished. Yeah, it, it's crazy how that can happen to some some guys in the playoffs. Really, like especially when the lights get brighter and brighter and brighter, and there's just more pressure. You can't can't hide in Sunrise, Florida anymore, man. You're on national TV. Yeah. You're on the biggest stage, and I mean, yeah, uh, I think if more. Guys like Barkov and Verhege just stepped up a little bit. We get six. You're at least games. getting a six yeah, game. I think yeah. we're getting six games, but I mean, it's uh, it was tough. And then obviously Bobrovsky kind of wasn't himself yeah. or what he was in the first three rounds. And I mean, you saw it. It was just it, Vegas kind of just walked. Yeah. It was it was an easy one for them. Yeah, we finally got the end of the sad boy Paul Maurice era. In this playoffs, got another just great, you know, Twitter snippet. Big Jay's eating it up. You know, how good is that guy? You know, that guy, you know, how good is he? I was so sick of those press conferences. It had to end. It had to end. It's the monotone. I can't handle the monotone. And then, like, it sounds like he's like a teacher giving you a lesson every time. Yeah, like, he seems like a, a good, genuine person. But he almost puts on this act when he's in yes, front of the cameras. Dude, it's weird. It's like a woe is me act. It's like, well, you know, we tried our best. We tried it. We really did. And it was so weird when the reporters were asking him about Tuchuk going into game five. Yes. Because, ah, I don't know. Saw him all playing. He's traveling. He's like, Paul, give them something to write about, dude. Like, it's like, yeah, like you know. want, say you want some people to get fired to up for you? Yeah. You like, want to get some <laughs> some media coverage, get people fired up about the Panthers? Why don't you go drop a snippet in the pregame? Yeah, like, yeah, we don't have him. We're going to go out there and kill him tonight. Yeah, he's literally telling them, he's like, yeah, you're not getting anything from me. It's like, who are you, man? Like, come on, it's not that serious. But, yeah, I was kind of getting a little sick of those Paul Murray's press conferences. Uh, I think Bruce Cassidy held held himself in a great manner, kind of throughout the playoffs. He wasn't complaining. Never, he wasn't He went really quietly. Like, yeah. he left Boston in kind of uh, not the prettiest way. Like, the, people apparently hated him. Krejci comes back the second he leaves. Stuff like that. So, I think everybody kind of had this weird, like, clouded view of him. But... He just seems like a no-bullshit kind of guy and just, like, gets his guys ready to go. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long his voice lasts right. in that Vegas room. I mean, I, he kind of has a, a torts vibe to him where it's like, yeah, this might work Bit for the one, edge. two and the seasons. And then once you get into that third season, it's like, okay, I'm kind of sick of this guy. You know, guys start tuning him out. But, I mean, he did everything right in this entire season, first in the Pacific, I mean, they never faced elimination either no. in the playoffs, and it was just, just dominance, man. Yeah, yeah you gotta wire. feel so relaxed as a coach. Like, there must just be no better feeling as a coach than that final buzzer. Like, almost more than the players, where you're just like, "Holy shit, I actually did my job!" Like, to its complete. Yeah, they can finally let out emotion. Yeah, they're just holding it in the entire time, and you, you're scoring goals. They're scoring goals. You just have dead straight face. You go, oh, I don't, I can't let it out. But yeah, so I don't know. Bruce Cassidy yeah. let it out. Looks like uh, one of the back to being a, a staple head coach in the NHL. Yeah, I think so. I think that'll kind of buy his name a lot of leeway for the next, I don't know, 10 years. Um, but he'll be firing it up at the parade. Want to move into that now because I think that this has the absolute potential to be like one of the crazier sports parades ever. Vegas announced that 
Both sides of Las Vegas Boulevard, otherwise known as the Strip, will be closed for the parade on Saturday starting at 7 p.m. We're getting a night parade. Is that even... I don't know if I've ever even seen that before. How how do you, how's the lighting gonna work? I, I have so many questions about that. First off, but the fact that it's on a Saturday at night in Vegas, it's over, ladies and gentlemen. I is crazy, man. I like Tampa. I I kind of like the boat parade. That was cool. It's cool, but got old because the uh, Buccaneers won too. Because then like Tam- the Lightning did it. Then the Buccaneers did it. Then the Lightning did it. It got old yeah. because they kept winning. Yeah, <laughs> they kept winning. If they like, you know, took their time and and burn yeah, on a little still be roll, cool. it would have been cooler. But wow, I am very excited for this Vegas parade. I want it like fully televised. Like this should be on like Sportsnet, like 7 p.m. Saturday night. There's no more major sports left. Like, yeah, I mean, what the hell are you gonna put baseball on 7:30 p.m.? I'm supposed to watch baseball? No, give me give me a parade. Let me watch a bunch of drunk hockey players just. It's going to be wild. What, uh, what what do you think is in store for this parade? Yeah, so I've done the uh, honor of mo- mocking up some lines here. Um, I'm going to start with the biggest favorite viral beer toss moment um, at minus 115. This is going to be something classic like Jack Eichel screaming out to somebody and pointing a lot, and then suddenly a Bud Light flies out of camera right into his hand, and you'll probably end up seeing it like 4,000 times. Jack Eichel is going to... He's my number one pick for being most ignorant, kind of. Oh, just, yeah. just not caring for anything or anyone in the world and just, woe is me. This is my moment. I did this. Yeah, you're going to see him. You're going to see Jack Eichel probably take advantage of his opportunity to rub this in people's faces oh, yeah. a bit. All right, next one, minus 100, pretty much at even odds here. Player incapacitated. So that would... Kind of be any player you choose. I think it's going to be similar to the Capitals run where Verona just got absolutely loaded out of his mind, got a tattoo. I think Barbashev got his second cup, and he there was that video of him throwing up the two, like the peace sign while everybody else is doing the, like, we're number one. So I think he's already a bit out of it, and I think that if you're European, the chances that you become incapacitated and give, like, a hilarious interview are even higher. Yeah, I think Wild Bill yes. is on that list too. He has Definitely. a kid. He has a newborn, which definitely has to factor into yeah. this line a little bit. I mean, but that's when you kind of got to leave the kid at home, right? Oh, like, yeah. Don't be doing parade. the big earmuffs. Yeah. I don't want to see Come on. This is his moment. The kid will be able to watch the videos of it when, when they grow up. But, yeah, I think my original pick was going to be Barbashev, so he kind of took the words out of my mouth there. So I guess if I had to choose another one, I would go William Carlson because I just, like you said, it's got to be a European. Those, heroes, Those yeah. guys know how to have a great time. Yeah, so next, um, this one's just super easy. Over-the-top fireworks. Uh, I think it being at night and it being in Vegas, it's just going to be crazy. I think it's going to be so extra, everything about this, in the best way, which is kind of Vegas in general, their whole hockey experience. I'm going to add one onto this. At, it's going to be plus odds. Plus maybe 250, maybe plus 300, like a drone show. Oh, what do you think at night with like the lights, the I drones like that. going. Yeah, because I think makes a big think, Stanley Cup in the air. Yeah, I think the fireworks are for sure gonna happen. Vegas Strip, you you kind of know what's going on, but yeah, I think these these drone shows like, like it's that. it's crazy. So I think if you're if you're looking for something to keep an eye on, play your drinking games. Yeah. That that one's worth three drinks for sure. If you see a drone drone show. All right, we're going to go to now another kind of even odds one, minus 100. This is going to be somebody drops a trophy 
this is like pretty classic for these, but I think that everyone's gonna be so much more loaded this time that the kind of that that could even be, you know, plus money. I think it's getting dropped no matter what. I think Marcia so could also be dropping that con Smythe too, because that's something where he doesn't want to be responsible for that the entire time. There's no way. So he's gonna go to hand it off to somebody. Someone's not gonna be looking and boom, I mean, who knows if Maple Leaf Gardens is gonna hold on to that trophy, but the Stanley Cup, I mean, it's crazy that it's still yeah. only been one. Yeah. And that thing has taken some hits. I mean, we saw Colorado. It didn't even make it off the ice before yeah. it was freaking dented. So I'm excited for that. I do. That's a good one. It's going to yeah. be in like a handoff or something. I don't yeah. think it's going to like fall no, off no, a, no. a bus no. or anything. But yes, in some sort of. Could they make that Consmite trophy any bigger? Like, it is so laboring. Like, they, it looks like they're handing them, like, a fucking mattress to move. It's like, here, man. And the guys just have to go with their full hands out for 20 minutes. It looks terrible. And it's so awkward because of the leaf on the top it's of it. Pointy. It's like, you, yeah, you can't, like, hold it like you would the Stanley Cup. So you kind of got to hold it like, like it's, baby bear. Like it's like a frame. Yeah, yeah you're kind of, like, holding it. It's, it's awkward. But it's I, I do like the look of it, and there's going to be another row added on. Yep, yep. I don't know how long till there's another row, but yeah. there will be. It downsized the Conn Smythe Trophy, um, but yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be look. Actually, no, I got one more expected parade move. This one is gonna be at plus money here, even though it could maybe be like the most obvious. There's a Chainsmokers appearance somewhere down the line here. I don't care if it's at a club. I don't care if it's on the bus somehow. They're, they're, those two fucks are showing up somewhere. Hundred percent. It's this is a this. If I had to pick one out of those lines this is the one i'm hammering the most this is their super bowl yeah this is what they live for i mean chain smokers is definitely going to be djing on some on some bus probably with the on the main one with the they're just going to be with the stanley cup with the con smith trophy i don't know how they pull it off but they continue to do it year after year you just you go wait is that the chain smokers up there yep they're still somehow relevant but yeah i mean yeah, they're definitely going to be They're on. definitely going to be. I would be surprised if they haven't already made an appearance with how much uh, Vegas has been at the club since, I think. There's been a ton of videos. I saw a video of Aiden Hill rapping Lose Yourself by Eminem. That was, like, actually one of the worst things I'd seen in my entire life. But so good if you're him. Like, everything – you can tell how drunk he is, and no one in the crowd is feeling it. And he is just having the time of his life. Well, those that's why those videos, especially in Vegas, why it's so funny because – Everyone in that club has no idea who any Not of those guys bit. are. They go, what is that trophy? Well, who are these people? And then you put a mic in Aiden Hill's hand, and he just starts rapping, lose yourself. Like, I no, love it. Just dead a club in 10 seconds. Like, yeah, I'm sure everyone in that club was like, get this guy, yeah, get that mic out of his hand, get the club music going. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Yeah, I saw a lot of funny videos from that club night, and that's just – so funny because you usually see those videos like delayed because they're flying to Vegas but like those videos came out like an like two hours after they won they were like so knee deep in the club already well it's great I mean you're there's no better city to win a cup in than Vegas in North America no. I would say no it's uh and it's That's why this might be a trend like they might more so than just even like putting teams here like they might set up, like, the Super Bowl in Vegas a ton of times. Like, big events like that. College football, national championships. College football is dangerous, but I do like the idea. Yeah. Putting college football national championship in Vegas, you might end up with, like, an absolutely full drunk tank. 
But yeah, and then now you're getting the baseball team. So yep. I mean, I know the A's are very far away from a World Series, but I it's Vegas will be uh I think a hotspot destination for athletes. Oh, 100%. It's turn I think it is going to turn into that like new Miami kind of. Um but something to kind of leave you with as we go into the next NHL season, we're going into the dead era now until the fall where we just have a whole bunch of baseball to watch. Um, we're going to do some next season power rankings. This is always really tough, I think, after the playoffs because you're fighting with like recency bias. You're fighting with cap issues on the teams that are now different for the next year with injury lists on the teams. And even like, do I just put the team that won the Stanley Cup first? Like, it's a it's a tough list to build. Yeah, free agency as yeah. well. I mean, you don't really know where some of these guys are going. I'm sure there'll be a couple trades also, but I mean, it's fun to do, right? And then you can kind of look back on it, see how wrong you were, yep. right? Because that's no, neither of us are gonna get this right. No, I would be shocked. Yeah. So I'll go first. Uh, I'll take my stab at it. So I am gonna go with Vegas number one. I think that for a lot of the same reasons that. They won the cup. I think that they're going to start the year out very well next year. I don't think they'll have a, too much of a cup hangover. They got this done pretty quick. Like they'll have a long off season, um, and then you're bringing like giving Eichel another year to rest. Um, you can figure out the goalie situation if you want to go with Hill. If you grab somebody else, then you have a very solid tandem duo. Uh, I think Vegas is kind of primed for for like one more year almost of that run. Um, so I'm going to go with them first. Um, and then second, I'm going to revert back to kind of the easy play, which is Boston, um, which, again, I think that that core, like, they said last year was the year, and, like, they're not going to have Bergeron next year, but I think next year is really the last year that you're pushing it, that you're going to then have to move on to the Pasternak-McAvoy era. Like, they're still kind of in that Marchand-Bergeron era. Marchand's sneaky near the end. Yeah. So yeah. I think that yeah I think he's seven thirty seven gonna turn thirty eight next year yeah and he's kind of ending right at that window especially with how he plays um but like you know some other, you have Rask and Swayman back like though they're not going anywhere anytime soon Omar and Swayman yeah Omar yeah. yeah sorry it, um, it always feels like two grass it's like it's that, such a yeah. like no I know it's, I know he's synonymous with the Bruins it's so and killer especially with how long that entire core like. I'm going to expect Bergeron to be taking that first draw for the Bruins next year. Oh, I know. I and know. It's going to be what? super weird yeah. when the NHL doesn't have somebody to give a Selkie to. Um, but in third, I have Carolina. Felt a bit weird putting Carolina here because I still think they're like, I don't know. I, I think they still have to get over like a huge hump, but their roster, like just a pure roster, I still find so good. I think they need more scoring, and I think that they can try and go out in free agency and try and fill up some scoring. But their decor is great. Like Frederick Anderson's a good goalie. I just I think that they're still gonna be an Eastern kind of powerhouse next year. Um, and then I'm gonna round out my list with Dallas at four. I think they got super undervalued this year again. And then that team's only gonna weirdly like get better with age. I think like they're gonna lose kind of their loose ends that are older, and their young guys are gonna get even better. Yeah, and they had a good run this year yeah. with a young goalie, yeah. a couple of young guys, White Johnston. Like yeah, it's, you got Ottinger, yeah. Johnston, and Robertson basically like that you can just go full on forward with. And Heiskanen on the back. Heiskanen on the back. Yeah. Like you have pieces in every you know section of the team. So I think that Dallas is isn't really going anywhere. Um, and then in the five spot, I'm going to do a little bit of a cop-out <clears throat> Ooh, sorry, cop out answer here um, with the Rangers and the Leafs kind of battling out that five spot. I think that 
you know, I'd be remiss to not include the Leafs at that. I think that their their roster isn't going to overturn much going into the next year. They obviously have a bunch of free agents to, like decisions whether they want to make, but those weren't really important pieces as much. I think if you re-sign Camp and you re-sign O'Reilly, you're kind of primed to just run it back with the same team. Um, and then the Rangers, again, like I think that another year kind of with that group gelling, like another year of Patty Kane getting healthy over the summer, Tarasenko having time with the group. I still think they're super dangerous, but they just need a bit more time and a bit more depth. And so you think uh, you think Kane's going to resign? With the I think Rangers? he is. I think that uh, that's had to have left like a bit of a bad taste in his mouth. I don't think he's going like back to Chicago. No chance. I I would. Yeah. I'm going to go on record and say there's zero percent chance yeah. he's. I don't think that's Chicago. happening. So then, then we just end up in the same like shitstorm again. It's like where the hell is Patty Kane going? And I think it's just an easy fit to go back to the Rangers. I don't know. Yep. No, I can see it. I I I was just wanted, that was in your yeah. your thought process. I I also on the Rangers. I hate that hiring of Peter Laviolette. Very weird, man. I don't. You talk about recycling coaches. It's like, the old boys club, man, and I really, I really don't like it because what is Peter Laviolette gonna do to unlock uh, Artemi Panarin? To unlock Alexia Lafreniere. How yeah. is he gonna make these guys better than what they are? Yeah. And I mean, you're just grabbing the same old coaches that have been around since 2000. Like and at least grabbing a grab the best assistant in the league. Grab. There are young coaches that are out there right now that are well deserving of an NHL head coaching spot, and I mean it's it's actually really a shame, kind of what's going on with that stuff. Uh, like at least Barry Trotz made the move to GM. I think he kind of yeah. realized like, hey, like where those guys should go. There's got to be some new blood yeah. in here, and I mean, yeah, he he can oversee a team, he can build a team, but I mean, yeah, I do not like that Peter Laviolette signing. And I guess is there anything else? No, or? that's it. It's your turn. I'm gonna go crazy. I'm going to go, go crazy. Let's do it. I, I I almost might do five different teams because I don't really know what's going on. Actually no, not five different teams, but it's going to be different. Starting off in the one spot, I'm going to go Dallas. Okay. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I'm, they could I'm pretty high on I'm pretty high on Dallas. Like you said, I think they're young and I think I I think Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan are under contract next year. I believe it's their last year. Could be wrong on that. Don't have the information in front of me, but I think that's kind of similar where it's like a nice group of young guys are gelling with a group of older players, and I think they can make something special happen. Um, the two spot, I'm going to stick in the West, Edmonton Oilers. I, I Edmonton gave Vegas their toughest battle in the playoffs, and I think it's it reflects highly of what that team actually was. I think people kind of forgot about them the second they got eliminated, but Obviously, because it's in the second round and the year before they went to the conference finals. But yeah. Edmonton's been knocking on the door. They're, I think this uh, don't hate next that. year coming up, it will be their shot. And now moving to the east, I'm going to go Carolina. I like Carolina. I think Pacioretty's going to come back as well. That was mm -hmm. a piece missing for them in the, in the playoffs because they need goal scorers. That's their kind of what they're missing out on, right? Like, it's a deep team. I think they could obviously, you know, you mentioned Freddie. Like, hopefully he performs and that will help in them and then staying in the east and staying in the metro have not a, a set an atlantic team yet new jersey devils there you go i didn't want to include them but i'm glad that you did yeah just because i mean who who knows what's going to happen next year obviously there's gonna be a couple big off-season moves but this is our your your way too early power rankings so i'm going to throw the devils in there i mean jack hughes is probably only going to continue to get better uh the addition of timo meyer hopefully he sticks with that team 
And just, I don't know, I think New Jersey is in, is in good hands and they will continue to progress in the right direction. And then five, I mean, I got to throw Vegas on there. Uh, yeah. They're just big. I mean, I don't want Mark Stone to retire, but obviously would be very understanding if he does. I mean, multiple back surgeries is just very tough. And I think it's, you know, him getting that cup has kind of cemented that, like, yeah. hey, I, I've, I've accomplished stuff here. And it's like he's had a great career, sixth-round pick. Uh, he's seen it all, captain. So I think Vegas to round out my top five. And that just kind sense. of a – Damien and I have two very different ones. So hopefully one of us has uh, has something right here. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. Looking back on it, I think that Edmonton probably deserves to be in that five spot. Um, in mine, I, I actually blanked when uh, I was doing that list. But, yeah, Edmonton was a weird team because they went out and they did the things at the deadline, right? Like, they did it, and you'd like to think that if they beat Vegas, they end up winning the Cup. I do think yeah. that. I, I do think that happens, but, I mean, they didn't win, so yeah. we'll never really know. I guess we'll never know. I guess not. Yeah, but one other thing is that, yeah, now that you say that, is that whole Eichel and McDavid conversation, like, Eichel's the first to get a cop. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy that getting drafted second overall can take, I think, such a brunt off of being able to switch teams. Like, Line's already switched teams. Eichel's switched teams. Like, I think that those guys that go first are so expected to be, you know, completely indebted to that franchise that they end up being kind of stuck there. Yeah, lifelong guys yeah. For, your, for your team, or career-long guys. Like, I in, mean, and that difference, like, one pick. Like, you don't you don't even look at those other guys as, like, owing, you know. Like, people made a pretty big fuss about Eichel leaving Buffalo, but he wasn't really crucified for it. No, it, it goes to show the amount of pressure, especially if you get drafted to a Canadian team, I'm Matthews and McDavid in those drafts, to, to stay with that team yeah. and show loyalty and to win a cup. Yeah. As a first overall pick, it obviously doesn't always happen, or it could take a while. I mean, yeah. we saw it with Ovi. He was in a kind of non-traditional market, I guess you could say, with yeah, Washington. Back then, yeah. But there was also still that pressure on him because he was such a like a prodigy. Generational, and, yeah. yeah. But he stayed. He stuck it out. Got his cup, and I mean, probably gonna set a goal record. That's something to look out for next year. I don't know if he's gonna get next year, but obviously the the journey continues mm-hmm. for him. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for yeah, for next season. I think. There's no one team, which we clearly just found out. Like, there's no one team that's head and shoulders above everyone else, uh, like you might see in the NFL or the NBA, some of these other leagues. I do think that the parity in the NHL is the best thing that it has going for them. Yeah. The issue is they don't know how to market that. So, yeah. yeah well, I mean, that's on them. Yeah, I think that the uh, the NHL just needs to kind of take a hard, long look in the mirror this summer and figure out a, a different way to attack next season. You've had now one year in the new TV deal. I think that you need to kind of – they got to get some shit together for next year. Like, the, the All-Star game in Toronto is going to be, like, a huge deal for them. They have to knock that completely out of the park. And you, you mentioned the TV deal that with TNT. That, I think, was a success. Yeah. And a little bit of a failure that will be coming to an end soon is that Sportsnet deal. Oh, man. I think there's two more years, maybe one year left on it. And it will be very interesting to see where the Canadian hockey television goes after that. I think... I don't know who's going to want to bid on it after that. Well, it's or definitely not going to go for $12.5 yeah. like it went this year. I mean, God knows how much money Sportsnet lost on that. But it was not pretty for anyone involved, really. But I, I do think like the NHL just kind of needs to overhaul a bit of their um, 
Yeah, I think uh, they need some new blood. I, everybody cries, but I think Gary Bettman has done a great job of getting the NHL owners love him to yeah, yeah to like a, a point of being what it was when he took over in the nineties, but. You're just losing that. You're losing people every day, essentially. Yeah, and you have him. such good young talent yeah. to promote. And there's guys with personalities. Like yes. Matthews has personalities. Jack Matthew Hughes. Chuck, Jack Hughes. These guys have personalities. Get them out there. Get them in front of the camera yes. more and just say, hey, say something. Like, yes. Don't tell them what to say. Let yeah. them talk. And I think it could go a long way for the NHL and just viewership in general. Big time. Um, but – Speaking of viewership, uh, for this Sunday, we wanted to just change gears here right for the end of the show to get you ready for the Argos kickoff as they start their season on Sunday against Hamilton at 7 p.m. at BMO. And it's going to be a big year for the Argos. CFL already kicked off already, but they were given a first-week bye, which is kind of crazy as coming in as champions, but I think it'll actually serve them well. They need some rest. Do you think that they got it because they're champions and like they kind of was? It was like, hey, like you know, take the week off. You guys have probably you played the longest last right. year, so we'll give you a longer break than some of these teams. Or what, I what guess, I guess, man. I, I Chad Kelly wasn't too happy about. It. He said CFL, you got to fix that. Um, but I think that it just ends up. The problem is with the CFL season is getting a bye week early. Like the trench is ahead of you in the CFL season. Like those last three months of the season are so grueling in terms of how long you're playing and then the weather that you're playing into. So it's kind of tough in that sense. Like you do like your breaks going up to the playoffs, but you know, Dinwiddie said that they could use the rest for some injuries. So I think that'll end up being a positive. Yeah, that is nice. I think Curly Gittins Jr. is one of those injuries yeah. that uh, they're looking to, and hopefully he's on the field ASAP. Uh, I didn't realize it was a buy. Like that's going on. Yeah, it's their like an schedule. actual like, buy. Like yeah. that sucks. Yeah, that, that's not what you want as yeah. the champion. Yes. Now I un- I understand. Yeah, I thought they were kind of like giving them one. No, you know? no, it's like, I hey, know. Hey, I thought so too. It's like, yeah, we'll schedule you here. Yeah, it's like they actually got a bye week, which is tough. Yeah, that that's not ideal. Yeah. But I mean, the CFL season starting up. I mean, I think more people should be aware of this. Like, all you have to watch is MLB. I I highly recommend if you're a football fan, give the CFL a chance. Watch a couple of games. It's good quality football, and I think the league, obviously they are the worst at marketing the league, but, I mean, just give it a chance. It's fun to watch. And, hey, if you're, you, you know, you're with your dad, the first 10K fans, they get replica Grey Cup rings. I'm going to be there so early. Like, I'm going to get so many drinks at BMO Field because I show up painfully early. I might tailgate because those rings are gorgeous, and I need one. Um my girlfriend brought up a point that w- what are you going to do with a replica ring? Are you going to actually wear it places? No, I just want that. You were part of that my great life. cup yeah. victory. Yeah, I was there. I was in it. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, it's actually one of the one of the cooler giveaways I've seen in a long time. I think they should do that for, like, every sport, like, that you can manage those numbers with. Like, for Vegas fans next year, why not do 17,000 replica rings? Yeah, they can do that. Yeah. The Argos actually have great giveaways. Yeah, oh. Some of the best in the game. I have Argo sweatshirts, hats, shirts, everything. They want their gear out there yeah. and on people because I guess that's a good way of marketing. But, yeah I, yeah, I do love the the Argos giveaways. It's also, you're on the water, great day. Yeah. It's just I love it's BMO. fun energy at BMO Field. Yeah, and uh, to the football side of things, it's definitely one of the more exciting Argos seasons like heading in that I can remember. I think that last year the expectations were like super low, so it was super exciting to smash those and win a great cup. But I think that this year the expectations are probably as high as they've been in a while. 
you're basically keeping the same exact roster. And most importantly, now we get to see what Chad Kelly is all about. Like it's, it's been almost like eight years since he's had the regular starting position playing every game, which was back when he was at Ole Miss. So I think that fans, like even non-CFL fans, are like itching to see what Chad Kelly can do. And I think he's gonna he's primed to really take over the league. Yeah, I mean, you said there is more expectations on the Argos this year. The odds makers would also reflect that. They're tied with Hamilton for the third best odds to win. Winnipeg, no secret, yeah. the, the favorite of the league. They have BC sandwiched in between them. They're, the, they're the, the golden boy this year. Everybody's very high on BC. But yes, Chad Kelly, second favorite to win the most outstanding player. So expect big things from Chad as, I mean, he wants to get back to the NFL. Yeah. He doesn't want to be in the CFL for too long. I, I know he, I'm sure he loves Toronto, yeah. loves what it's all about, but this is his chance. It's like Starter. an AHL highlight tape. Like he's essentially making a year-long game tape. Yeah, and I he wants it. He cares about winning. He loves the game of football. And you hear that anytime he talks yeah. ball. He loves the game. So I do think, but with the more pressure, hopefully there's like more performance. Because I think last year there was a little bit of an underdog mindset. Yeah. And it's like, all right, guys, you know, let's give him a fight tonight. Whereas this year it's going to be like, we got to win these. Yeah. Win, win, win. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, one of his big strengths is being able to read defenses really well. And I think he see, he sees CFL defenses as being pretty predictable. Um, so I think that, you know, I've been pretty uh, critical in the past of Ryan Dinwiddie, but and he seemed to refuse to play Chad Kelly during the regular season. I think that relationship has gotten a lot better over the past year of winning a cup and then having a whole offseason together. They had this whole ring ceremony thing last week, and I think the team is as close as it's ever been. And then if you can just turn that into offensive production, this is a league where, you know, if you score 45, you're going to win. So it's like... And this is a team that can put up 45. They had these really weird hot and cold games last year where they would have crazy first halves and slow second halves. I think with McLeod out and Chad Kelly in, I think he has the energy to like maintain that for whole games. Absolutely. And the Argos offense, it's one of the better offenses in the league. I mean, you got Ula and Harris in the backfield. Yeah. Curly Gaines Jr. is one of the better wide receiver number ones in the league. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett. Or not Jacoby Brissett, but uh, Brissett. Dijon Brissett. Yeah, and just it's a good team with high expectations, and I mean, hopefully they can go out there and just perform. And obviously, it starts on on Sunday against Hamilton at BMO Field. And I mean, let's go Argos! Yeah, let's go Argos, guys! Everybody, uh, keep an eye out for that on uh, TSN on Sunday. Uh, and there's also a bunch of big CFL games going Thursday and Friday night. Also, if you want to get really spicy, the Argos are boosted to win the CFL on Bet365. So if you're into that, you want to put some skin in the game in the CFL season, get, hop in and just see what's out there. Yeah, Chad, Kelly, most outstanding future. Argos win CFL, most outstanding future. <laughs> that is a most outstanding future. Um, but that's all we have for you today uh, at the Goal Post, and we'll come back to you next week. Patrick? Damien, it was a pleasure.